the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. This open line Friday, 602-508-0960. Anything on your mind? Happy to take your call. If you're on hold, we're getting right to you. By the way, I uh, I was playing around with uh, with a few options uh, for, a, for a motto for this show, maybe a T-shirt or a bumper sticker. And uh, it was something I just said about nurse practitioner Teresa. Uh, welcome back to the show where the callers become the guests. It can happen. And um, so that, that might be a good motto. There's always the great one um, that my producer, chief producer Bill, uh, likes, which is from Young Americans for Freedom, William Buckley popularized, don't amanitize the eschaton. That would be a good motto and a good T-shirt or bumper sticker for us. Or my operational favorite that's been uh, that was made aware uh, that I uh, saw only three weeks ago. Make Orwell fiction again. Make Orwell fiction again. Anyway, just some thoughts. Uh, we'll probably have some more candidates for you soon as well, Rob. Anyway, thank you, Rob, for waiting. Uh, you you no, made a really you made a really good point. Well, you made a lot, but you made you, one that uh, I was chewing on during the the news break was your point about when we confess or when I say something like the Republican Party is the cross conservatives have to, have to bear, you said it shouldn't have to be that way. You're absolutely right, especially when you look at the origins of the Republican Party. Feel free to pick up on that or whatever other point you were wanting to make. No, that, that's fine. Um, I, I uh, as an ex-naval aviator, you know, we've always believed in having checklists. And I have to backtrack a little bit because I know that I think in both state and federal uh, uh, conventions, every party puts up its own uh, convention party platform. And I I refer back to the 1856 one, partly because you did, and it contains so much great information. And in a checklist form, because aviators, we, we like things short and in bullets and um, I, I think there there ought to be some sort of an, a simple, uh, user-friendly uh, Republican Party platform that says things like, you know, we believe, we stand for, we support, and we will fight for the founding documents as written. Uh, we believe in the concept of limited government as the founders intended. Uh, we believe in American sovereignty. We believe in the rule of law. We believe in peace through strength. We believe that the individual, not the government, is better uh, to decide what is best for their lives. We believe in the sanctity of human life. We believe that the state should be considered independent of the power of the federal government as the Constitution delineates. We obviously then believe in lower taxes, fiscal responsibility, lower, uh, less bureaucracy. And, um, and, and one of my personal favorites is we believe that we will not spend more than we take in. 
And so there's like seven, eight, or nine little, you know, aviator checklist items that I think both state and federal uh, Republican Party convention platforms ought to really emphasize and push and and stand for. Because I think one of the biggest problems I think we see, Seth, is that, and, and you hear it all the time, you know, the Republicans aren't uh, standing up for what their principles are. And that's where, you know, we need strong, tough people to push back against all of this uh, bad stuff that's been going on. And, and I don't I don't know. I mean, I'm too old to run for anything, but I just think that there needs to be more pushback. Um, and again, I know we have the media against us, but I think the people that are already Republicans in government, ought to be standing up for those principles that I've kind of delineated in the checklist fighter pilot form that <clears throat> they just need to not forget. Maybe they need to post it on their wall uh, in front of their desk where they look at it every day and realize that that's why they are in their uh, position. Um, I also read that uh, I think there's seven fields that are running for Congress uh, in 2022, one of which is obviously – the guy here in uh, Eli Crane, I think yeah, Eli Crane down in Tucson, and then there's uh, there's also the guy that used to be the Secretary of the Interior under um, under Trump, and I guess he's going to go ahead and run for Congress as well. But those are the kind of guys that I think <laughs> you, will have. I've never heard him referred to as the Seven Seals. That gives a new meaning to the term. <laughs> That's kind well, of interesting. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. Did Not you, from the biblical Did you do sense, that deliberately? That's are. kind of funny. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. No, it wasn't deliberate. But I, I think um, those are the kinds of people, and it's not just the military thing. I think it's the backbone and principles thing and the stuff that they did, uh, not for themselves, but, but for the country, that needs to mean things again. Uh, most of the politicians that are in Washington are clearly out for themselves. They don't give a damn about the country. They give a damn about their own bottom line, how wealthy they can get, who they know, uh, and and the, all the connections they can make. And, uh, you know, then they can write their books and go on the, the speech circuit. But that's not the kind of people the founders wanted to have in Congress, in the Senate, or in the White House, for that matter. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things we need to get back to is regular people with a backbone who believe in the country, who believe in all the things I'd written earlier, the founders and the limited government and the Constitution and the Declaration and all that stuff in states' rights. Um, those are the kind of people that need to be elected. I think everybody gets lost in the minutia of whatever the popular phraseology is uh, in the media and People need to hammer down hard, especially Republican candidates. Here's what I believe. Here's what I'm going to do. And here's what I'm going to do my best at. And I think that's where a lot of Republicans have failed over the last 30 or 40 years, because obviously Republicans in uh, Congress, especially since they control the budget, um, have let the budget get completely out of control. And, and nobody seems to talk about it. Nobody seems to fight it. And nobody seems to care. But that's why we need strong, fine people to get in there and say, look, you don't spend more than what you have. 
And until that happens, we're doomed. I think I, that's I, all I have. No, well, that's good. I I think that um, a couple things in response, or at least that you inspired me to think about. We were talking about the 1856 Republican Party platform because it was the first Republican Party platform. And it's amazing how concise, how short it is. It's amazing for a few other reasons. If you took out just like two or three things that, you know, the Times don't really, uh, you know, hold anymore uh, from 1856, like the railroad that was being built, etc. If you take out a few of those things, it ain't a bad platform to begin with. It's a really good one. And it and 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 let's remind that it opens up with reincorporating and resolving that the principles of the Declaration of Independence embodied in the federal constitution are essential to the preservation of our republican institutions and then it goes down to recite of course the Declaration of Independence's and Constitution's preambles. I um I, you know, I have long maintained that when you have the view that our founders have, when you have the view of self-evident truths and natural right and natural law in front of you, you really don't need a laundry list. That should inform you. And let me let me try it this way. Let me let, let me give it this way. If you have um, natural rights. And if you have individual rights based on your natural right as a citizen, as a human being, as a human being, um, you you really may be not even you 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 probably don't even need such a thing as a First Amendment or a Second Amendment. But what our founders and this was a debate at our founding, as you know, it was a debate: Do we really need a Bill of Rights? And the reason people could ask that with a serious face was because why would we assume they wouldn't have these rights having just declared our independence and our constitution as based on formulations that, of course, would imply and apply the kinds of rights you want to detail in the Bill of Rights? You know, why would you think that you wouldn't have a natural right? to exercise your religion? Why would you think you wouldn't have a natural right to own a weapon? Right? You don't need a long, specific list of things once you have and understand the basics and the foundations. And I bring that back full circle to what you said. Full circle to what you said. The party should not be our cross. We should be carrying the party. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, this open line Friday, 602-508-0960. Anything on your mind? Corey's in Phoenix. Hello, Corey. Hey, Seth. I don't get to tune in often, uh, but I was hearing our great representative, Andy Biggs, speak, and I wanted to tell your uh, listeners about a Coward and Pippin strategy. Okay. It's been, a, it's been about 55 years in the making. Um, can lay it out in eight steps. starts with uh, health care. Control the health care and control the people. Poverty, increase the poverty level as high as possible. You know, poor people are easier to control. They will not fight back if you're providing them everything to live. Uh, debt, increase the debt to an unsustainable level. That way you're able to increase taxes, 
along with thus increased poverty. Four, gun control removed the ability to defend themselves from the government. That way you can create a police state. Five, welfare to control every aspect of their lives, food, housing, income. Education to control what people read, listen to, to control what the children learn in school. Seven, remove the belief in God from the government and schools. Eight, class warfare. Divide the people into the wealthy and the poor. This will cause more discontent and it'll be easier to take, i.e. tax the wealthy uh, with the support of the poor. Now, tell me that isn't exactly what's going on in the last couple of decades. It is going on. It is. I I don't know that that's from Cloward and Piven, but it is going on. I've, I've seen and I've heard that eight. I don't know where it comes from originally, that eight step thing. Um, but uh, it doesn't matter. It is going on, and it doesn't matter whether Cloward and Piven or whoever said it said it. That's what's going on. That's what's going on. I have a friend, uh, Corey, that um, I went to college with. We were, we were good friends, close friends in college, and he went off to – after college, he went off to officer's candidate school in Quantico, and then he went off to war and uh, back in the day. And um, – and he called me, oh, I don't know, Bill, help me out, something like six, seven, eight months ago. And he was saying, you know, I, um, whenever I turned on the TV and watched, you know, some of the military goings on in Afghanistan or Iraq or some of them being described, uh, I said, yep, mm-hmm, I get it. That's what we were trained for. I learned that at Quantico. I see what they're doing. And then he said, and I have the same thing with the Democratic Party and the left today and seeing what they're up to and their annex. I remember back in college. Yep, this is what they're doing. This is what they were training us for. I recognize the playbook. He was going off rules for radicals. It could have been uh, and Saul Alinsky's work because that was the big fashion at the time uh, was to teach Saul Alinsky. Um, but Cloward and Piven, of course, would have been kissing cousins to that. And But those rules for radicals, same thing. You can get it in Orwell. It's amazing how much, there, how much truth there is in all these socialist, quasi-Marxist, and indeed full Marxists in all of their nostrums being played out. It's amazing. And here's our struggle, or at least our, 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 our challenge, I think, Corey. I'd love to get your perspective on it. Um, we can label it as such. We can say, well, you know, you're, 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 you're basically articulating and, 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 and promoting a Marxist agenda. Um, to a lot of people, a lot of people, that doesn't bother them. They don't care whether those rules came from Francis Fox Piven or Saul Alinsky or Che Guevara or Karl Marx. They don't care. They don't care. And so, you know, we are kind of backed into the corner of having to wholesale unwind that which we thought had been taught and established. Econo- uh, fr- fr- freedom, good. Communism, bad. We thought we had established that. JFK called it the long twilight struggle. Ronald Reagan completed it and ended it. And we thought that was it. Good. Some people went so far as to even write that this was the end of history, and they missed it when they wrote that. They missed it because they didn't understand the power of ideology, and they didn't understand that democracies, especially this one, can be weak, 
can be weak ideologically. Anyway, I'd love your thought as to as to how you deal with the challenge of those who realize that these are radical positions, but they don't think they're radical. They think they're necessary. I think it just comes down to people directing their anger at yeah. the wrong person. Yeah, yeah, I think and, it might. I, I think mean, it like, might. Where, where are great people that were speaking on this, you know, years ago, like Justin McCarthy? Is he so crazy anymore? Like, where's the John Birch Society calling them out on this? Well, I don't think you need to go to McCarthy. I don't think you need to go to McCarthy and the Birch Society. Um, I don't think you have to go there. Uh, you started the show by by citing Andy Biggs and how good he was. Um, Andy Biggs has you know allies. He has a Freedom Caucus. Um, we, we I, and 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 I don't I don't think we need to go to those further elements in the party that the party spent. The movement, I should say, the conservative movement spent a long time saying wasn't that helpful uh, to us in the first place. I don't think you need to go to John Birch to know communism is bad. Ronald Reagan was never a member of that movement, right? Um, which is, you know, which is to say, which is to say you can do this, you can argue this, you can get it done um, by speaking, I think – to the common sense of it and knowing your history and teaching it and teaching it. The left figured that out. We didn't. We were asleep at the switch, happily paying our school taxes, happily uh, being um, being satisfied that, you know, starting at 8 in the morning, our kids were going to get inculcated with reading, arithmetic, civics, and uh, an appreciation for, if not understanding, of American history. We just assumed that was going on while the mantra of the left from the 60s was we'll get you through your grandchildren. And they were effectuating that. They were doing that. And we weren't watching. We weren't noticing. And we finally woke up, perhaps just in the nick of time, just in the nick of time, we woke up to start pushing back. You cannot, as we have been doing for 30 years you cannot graduate 8 million college and high school students a year, about 4 million each, give or take, in high school and college. You cannot graduate 8 million college and high school students a year, 80-plus percent, if not more, of whom are drenched in socialist and Marxist social science, where they are taught to hate America and embrace progressivism and Marxist ideas and expect to have America. As Daniel Boorstin, uh, the former librarian of Congress, put it in his book, The Image, you cannot have a society in anti-Americanism and expect America to come out. Well, the left understood that and went to our students. Just as Che Guevara said, the youth are more important than the party. Because we need the youth to sustain the party. And boy, did the left do that. Boy, did they. With their handmaids of the Democratic Party and the National Education um, Unions. Boy, did they do that. But it's not too late. It's not too late. Not if we wake up. Not if we flex our political muscles. And not if we take this country back. That used to be a noble sentiment. It should be again.
Rest in peace, Jay Black, Jay and the Americans, who gave us that song. Come a little bit closer, right? Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Do you have the audio of the? Yeah. So I was mentioning this earlier. Um, <laughs> there's a lot in this. There's a lot in this. But Kristen Cinema attended. We had a caller who said she actually officiated. Doesn't matter. She was at a hotel. In Bisbee, the hotel in Bisbee, you all know it, have been to Bisbee, and uh, at a wedding, at a wedding. And the left could not leave it alone. The left had to seize the opportunity to hijack a wedding. And if you watch the video, you see about, I don't know, 50 protesters Outside, right outside the hotel, right at the entrance of the hotel, going back and forth, and then around the part where they had reserved for the outside, yelling and shouting down Kirsten Cinema. Some of them using vile phrases and holding posters and signs. And, and, and the mother of the bride comes out to plea with them, saying, we, I agree with you, but please, for... for can we have our wedding? Can we just, can I marry? She's in tears trying to negotiate with, with these shock troops. I'll leave it at that. Shock troops. Just play a little of this audio, Bill, if you don't mind. By the way, pause it. Is that what you want at your wedding, by the way? People yelling shame, shame, shame. Okay, go on. Did you invite Cinema? Is she really here? Like she can't be at a wedding. The woman is pleading in tears to let her daughter get married. See, to the left, to the left. Everything, every part, there is no, A, there's no distinction between public and private. There is no longer any distinction between public and private whatsoever. That's one. Two, makes a little bit more sense now why you could understand so many people embracing the BLM agenda of disrupting the traditional family. They don't care about it. In fact, they think it's in their way. So did Karl Marx. So did Frederick Ingalls. He wrote a whole uh, – Karl Marx's co-author. He wrote a whole book on why the family was an impediment to a man anatizing the eschaton and creation of a new man. I'm not saying these protesters on the streets know they're Karl Marx or, <laughs> or know they're Ingalls. But that's where it comes from. That's the philosophy they have been taught if they went to high school or college or grad school. Or an education school, psychology, uh, or, or or received a, a a PhD or a psychology degree. That's what they were taught. They were taught that politics must infuse everything. The personal is political. Do you remember that? Out of the feminist movement, there are. We'll use this phrase for a moment. No safe spaces in society anymore from politics. If you're on the left. If you're on the left, look at what it has invaded and taken over, not repelled, 
Not been repelled, but taken over. Look at what has invaded and taken over. From traditional religions, churches, synagogues, of course. Professional athletics. With the perhaps singular exceptions of maybe NASCAR and hockey. Maybe hockey and NASCAR. The officer class, certainly the general class, but the officer class of the United States military. These are things we used to call hard America. The NFL, the military, that was hard America. The church, the synagogue, that was, that was strong medicine once upon a time. Who thought, that, who thought that that could be taken over from the softness of the Harvard School of Education or Graduate School or the Kennedy School or the Sociology Department. Who thought the Sociology Department at whatever college you want to name would find an echo chamber in the military and professional athletics and in the church and in the temple or the synagogue or the shul? It's everywhere. Or the classroom. It's everywhere. Now weddings. Now weddings, soon funerals. We'll be right back. One of the great musical, speaking of weddings, one of the great musical marriages of Jimmy Webb and Glenn Campbell. Let me let me say one more thing about that wedding situation and how politics is now how the left has invaded every institution to inject politics into it, and it was not repelled. Let me just say one more thing about that. Witness the destruction of a wedding in Bisbee, Arizona, because Kirsten Cinema was there. And a mom of the bride has to celebrate her daughter's wedding by crying. Crying, not tears of joy, but tears of pleading those engaged in shock troop tactics and guerrilla theater. Can't even have a wedding. Can't even have a wedding. It's not a good thing for politics to be so predominant everywhere. Everywhere. Remember, I think... Why am I saying I think? Remember C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis said a sick society, a sick society must think about poli- must think much about politics. A sick society must think much about politics as a sick man must think much about his digestion. To ignore the subject may be fatal cowardice for the one or for the other. But if either comes to regard it as the natural food of the mind, that is to say, if you're always thinking about politics even in good times or if you're always thinking about, you know, the problems with your digestion when you're perfectly healthy, if either forgets that we think of such things only in order to be able to think of something else, in other words, establish a good polity so you can have a good society and live in that society, in other words, have good health so you don't have to think about your health and you can go on with your life, If we forget that we think of such things only in order to be able to think of something else, then what was undertaken for the sake of health has become itself 
a new and deadly disease. Just a couple years, just a couple years after writing that, he wrote another essay. It was actually a speech. You've heard me quote it. You've seen it elsewhere about how to live with the atom bomb, the atomic bomb. And we replied it to COVID. Remember what he says at the end? If something outside comes in to kill us, he was talking about the bomb. I'm talking about using it with everything else, including COVID. He said, let that moment find us doing sensible and human things. And then he lists them as examples. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting with our friends over a pint and a game of darts. That's what it means not to have politics take over every institution. Politics is a medicine. Politics is a medicine for society. It should not be the normal. It should not be the norm. It should not be the default. It shouldn't be dominant in every single place. And the left is putting it there. Don't think for a moment that the incursion into private industry and private employment, the attempted incursion into private industry and private employment by the Biden administration isn't going to inject more politics into private spheres. Rick in Phoenix, I just have a couple minutes, but I couldn't let the Friday go without taking your call, buddy. (laughs) Thank you, Seth. You know how much I appreciate you and how much I think of you. I actually do know that, and I hope you know how much I appreciate you. Well, I think I do, and I appreciate that very much. I'm calling, though, about a very hard subject. This whole thing about cinema just has me really ticked off. I am sick and tired of talking about the bad behavior of these despicable leftists, and then we don't do anything about it. Every one of these suckers should have been arrested and thrown in jail until the people from January the 6th are released or whatever, you know. (laughs) Something has to be done to these people to let them know that behaving badly is not acceptable and they're breaking the law and we need to restore the law instead of just talking about all of this stuff. Well, I, you know, oh, I, I, Rick, I, I, I just, I, I, I don't know what to say except amen. I, 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 this is what the left has done, though. Yeah. If a white person sits at a certain building at ASU. Yeah. That evidently now has a sign saying no whites allowed. That's effectively what they accomplished. No whites allowed. If a site, if, if, if a place um, at ASU is saying no whites allowed because, as the people who kicked the whites out said, the white boys out said, your words are violence. Yeah, yeah. Your words are violence. Yeah. You're right, Seth. Thank you for letting me blow off. No, 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 no. But this is what the left does, isn't it? They take the nonviolent and turn it into something they call violent. They transmogrify the word. They change the meaning. They change the definition so that they can then engage in coercion. And yet what they will do, disrupt, 
whatever, they call perfectly protected speech that should not get the sanction of the law, the coercion of the laws. It's a very, very, very subtle thing they've done. I don't know anyone else who's been pointing out those tricks, that leisure domain of the left. That's what we'll call it, Bill, the leisure domain of the left, the sleight of hand of the left. I don't know at what point they're going to overreach. I just don't know at what point they're going to overreach so that their own Marxist revolution eats itself. And it's weird what lights that spark. For cinema, it was spending. <laughs> you know, who knew? Who knew it would be that? But maybe this, maybe this one, maybe this one, maybe this one will be it. We'll see, because we can't go on much longer without something turning back. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Thanks for spending some of your afternoon, some of your week with us. We take none of it or you for granted. Uh, we really don't. We want to hear from all of you, whether you email me or give us a call from 3 to 6. We love taking your calls and learning from you as much as engaging with you. I, uh, I will close with where I started, which was the message of two previous popes. I guess it is three. Uh Pope John Paul II saying to the ambassador to the Holy See what he said to her in 1998. You won't get it from this pope and you won't have this president appreciating these words. Pope John Paul II. The United States carries a weighty and far-reaching responsibility not only for the well-being of its own people but for the development and destiny of people throughout the world. The Founding Fathers of the United States asserted their claim to freedom and independence on the basis of certain self-evident truths about the human person, truths which could be discerned in human nature, built into it by nature's God. That wasn't that long ago. That was 1998. How far have we come in 22, 23 years? Abraham Lincoln, as I said, defined conservatism as the adherence to the old and tried against the new and the untried. If he were alive today, I have a feeling he'd say the adherence to the old and tried and successful against the new and the untried that was unsuccessful, as well as the old and the untried that was unsuccessful. Marxism is old, too. It doesn't make it right. What makes something right or not is built into our understanding of human nature and God. That's what our founders knew, and that's why up until recently we were the beacon of freedom in the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.